Strap on your rowing shoes and prepare for an invigorating journey with the remarkable Husnara, an analyst and seasoned runner with an infectious passion for mental health advocacy. Our conversation charts a remarkable transformation from a youngster who once sidestepped sports to a beacon of hope who now champions the psychological uplift that comes from the rhythmic beat of footsteps on the trail. As with most of my interviews, I have split this into three parts. The first part, I started talking about her relationship with running at school and how this changed when she got into her mid-teens. Next week, we delve deeper into her new book. So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name is Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. Welcome to Brian's Rompod. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Brian's Run Pod, the go-to podcast for all things running. And I'm your host, Brian Patterson, and I've got a fantastic guest lined up for you today. Now, in the last 10 years or more, this subject has become very much part of our everyday lives, and that is mental health. Well, today, after months of planning, we have a special guest to discuss this very subject. Today, we're chatting to Husnara, uh, a writer, analyst and passionate advocate for the therapeutic power of running. She is currently working on her debut book titled The Power of Running, Rewire, Negative Thinking, Process Trauma and the Awakening of the Therapist Within. Now that's a title that grabs your attention. She's a great believer in turning the negative into positive and I quote, imagine if I told you that the key to conquering life's greatest challenges could be found in the simple act of running. The Power of Running explores how running has a profound and scientifically proven ability to reshape in the way we deal with trauma and negative thoughts. But that's not all. Hosnara brings a wealth of experience to the table with a career spanning over 15 years in prestigious academic institutions of various departments in the UK government. She's not just a runner, she's an accomplished professional in the world of mental health. Originally from North London, Hisnara now presides in in Bali with her husband and two children, living a balanced life that combines an intellectual pursuits, athletic interests and family life. I'm excited to dig into her story and explore the incredible connections between running, mental health and personal growth. So grab your running shoes and kick back and join me in welcoming the amazing Husnara to Brian's Rompod. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, Brian. So how are you today? Yes, I'm very good, thank you. Really excited to be uh, speaking to you today. It's my first podcast as well, so yeah, um, even more excited. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and it's my first international interview, so which is which is great. And I'm very jealous um, that you, you you live in Bali because I noticed. <laughs> um, um, I think I reached out maybe it was last year that you live near Ubud. Is that right? And it That's was right, some yes. somewhere. It was a place that I went to um, when I was doing the round the world trip with a friend back in the late 80s, which is about a million <laughs> miles, a million years ago. So, um, but I remember it really fondly and it was, you know, uh, fantastic. All the rice paddy fields and, and that kind of thing. I, I remember yeah. that. It was great. Yeah. So well, like just- like I do with most of my guests, um, uh, I just wanted to find out as to 
uh, what I what we do experience of exercise and running at school. You know. So. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thanks, Brian. Um, yes. So I guess um, to be honest, I mean, exercise at school wasn't something I was particularly fond of. If I'm right. completely <laughs> with you, I didn't really like PE. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I used to love like climbing, though. Climbing was fun and being on the trampoline and things like that. But genuinely didn't love sports back then. Mm. But um, when I turned 16, I don't know what it was about turning 16. Um, that's when I started running. Um, I don't know if it was just like the buzz of finishing like your GCSEs and then, you know, feeling like you're on the brink of being an adult and kind of forming your own identity and ownership of your own body and all of this stuff I don't know what it was but I remember that summer after my GCSEs um I decided um to start running yeah. and I remember just, um you know growing up and I live close to really nice parks in London so yeah. like near Primrose Hill um so I used to always see runners you know all the time and they just looked really happy yeah. that's all I remember <laughs> <laughs> genuinely that's all I remember they looked good yeah. and they looked happy mm. and I remember thinking oh when I get older I want to look like that yeah. and genuinely that's all it was and then that's what sparked my interest in running at that early age so then mm. in the summer after my GCSEs I started running um and just carried on since yeah. then and I'm 39 but my reason for running has definitely evolved and changed over time mm. um and initially I have to say when I first started running I did need a big motivation to carry on so in the early days like in my early 20s I used to sign up to races like not big ones but like mm. 10ks 5ks and things and that was my way of just carrying on with the running yeah. um, a way of keeping fit and just because I just just enjoyed it yeah um, so there's nothing like but, in your family, uh, like, you know, your father or your mother or, you know, your siblings, oh, were they not into it or is it, it was just all. a self-motivation thing? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I come from um, an Asian background. Yeah. So my parents are from Odeshi. Um, but yeah, running and sport is really not something part of our culture mm. um, and definitely not something that, um, I don't know, especially growing up in quite a conservative, like Muslim household, right. like for my mother, like seeing me in running clothes and stuff. Oh dear. It's not something yeah. she was like that proud about, <laughs> to be right. honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a bit controversial. Yeah. 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 A bit controversial. Yeah. But I think over the years, she's actually changed her mindset about it too. So yeah. I remember in the early days, she wouldn't like me going out right. Interesting. like that and running. And, but right. over the years, she encourages me and mm. she'll be like, oh, that's really good. And she'll tell my, siblings to do the same or my sister-in-laws and other family members oh you need to go for a run you need to go out and it's just amazing to see the shift in her as well yeah having seen me do it and you know be relatively healthy and happy through it mm-hmm. but is that um not to go off topic but has that mm-hmm. been like a change of attitude over the last you know 23 Definitely. years in okay, your yes. culture um you know not not yeah oh totally yeah I think it's a you know in that kind of community it's a big shift that's also happening and I notice it not just within like the Asian community but also other ethnic minority communities because I've spoken to also um there's a Tasha Thompson founder of Black Girls Do Run 
Um, it's a big running community. Yes, I've heard of that name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and they're brilliant. And also they talk about the same challenges in sort of mm. um, in those kind of communities as well, mm. in minority communities, because it isn't we're very underrepresented, you mm. know, in the running community. So she loves running and she's been really a big advocate of getting, you know, black women to to start running, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and um, so there have been a few kind of sporting icons in like I think there was a, a, an Afghan woman who kind of like uh, was mm -hmm. kind of I don't know whether she was threatened by the Taliban or something like that and uh, you know and she competed in the Olympics and I don't know I think she did the she might have done a middle right. distance or or something like that but they've been kind of like dotted in the last mm -hmm. 20 you know years or so um, that people have been breaking through and you know doing it as a, mm -hmm. a professional sport so yeah yeah I mean that's brilliant to hear and I feel like it's in terms of sort of looking at it from that ethnic minority perspective, mm. I think we have a long way to go, yeah. um, a way to go, to be honest. It's only mm. just scratching the surface of, of getting more people from yeah. my background, similar backgrounds, into, into these kinds of sports mm. um, for mm. physical health and mental health. So um, moving on in sort of just understanding about mental health, itself mm. as a subject. I mean, like I said, it's really come into its own in the last 10, 15 years, you know, probably more, you know, probably, you know, in the last 10 years sort of thing. What, what, what in your opinion um, has really pushed that? Why, why has it sort of come to the forefront? Yeah. Well, I think there's a combination of different things. I think firstly, I'm really pleased um, to see that, we're talking about it a lot more and it's less stigmatizing. And I've been, I was in, you know, mental health research for over 10 years. I did a degree in psychology. Um, so that was about, you know, that was a long time ago now. Um, but I came out of that field about six, seven years ago. So it's good to see a big shift happen in that sense, in terms of people talking about it, it being less stigmatizing. And I think a lot of it comes down to, um, you know, um, social media, celebrities talking about it. Um, so all of these things and also these schemes that are in the workplace, so people in the workplace are talking about it, recognising that, you know, mental health has an impact on productivity, um, all of that. So that's really good to see. Um, but, you know, if I'm honest with you, I feel like although we are talking about it more, I feel in some ways... We're also going in the wrong direction um, in terms really? of mental health. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I can tell you why, because, I mean, for example, it you just have to look at the numbers, you know, to be honest. So I don't know. I mean, have you looked at the figures for mental health problems or people no. suffering in the UK? No, no. Okay. no. I mean, at the moment, like the current stats say, 16 million people in the UK suffer from a mental health problem. So right. that's one in four. And in terms of like suicide rates, for example, um, over 5,000 people commit suicide every wow. year in the UK. Yeah, wow. that's a lot of people. Right. Considering is, you know, it, we is there a particular demographic and age bracket? Yeah, it is actually. What's in really interesting and really sad is that one of the biggest striking things about the suicide rates is that a third, I think, believe it are males. Yeah. 
um, or two thirds, something, something yeah. like that. So it's a massive yeah. number of males are committing. So two thirds are yeah. males, yeah. Um, and it's it's a huge number, you know. And um, and what's interesting about the suicide rates and about the rates of mental illness is that that hasn't really changed over the last few years. And even when I was working in mental health services and in the academic world and in uh, in that field, we were still quoting the, the same numbers. Mm. But I think what I find more depressing um, is when we look at the stats on young people. And this is when actually it gets quite scary. Right. So um, I was looking at some of the NHS data recently, and they were saying, they were looking, looking at uh, the rates of mental illness among young, pe- young people in the UK. So in in the period of like three or four years, We've went from one in nine people suffer from young people suffer from mental health problem in 2017 to one in six in 2020. So that's a huge increase, you know, and that's recently. Mm. And on top of that, there has been also another study done by the Office of National Statistics. Right. And their 2020 data says that around 30 percent of young people report suffering from depression or anxiety. Right. Yes. It is huge. You know, it's a Mm. huge problem. Mm. So that's I feel like that's, you know, it's what that illustrates is that this problem is not going away. It's actually getting worse. And we're going to see it getting worse in the next generation. Right. And then when I looked at uh, sort of the Google trend data, if you look at what people are searching online, again, it's the paints a really interesting picture. Yeah. So the um, when I looked at um, how many people are looking for trauma, because that's what I'm looking at for the book, um, how running helps with trauma. So in the last five years, the people searching for trauma has doubled in the last five years. And the search term for people seeking mental health support mm-hmm. has also doubled in the same period. Right. So what that's saying is that people are struggling out there. People are looking for solutions. And what we have currently isn't really working. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so, it's a, so specifically when you say when they're searching for trauma, I mean, can you can you kind of just enlighten, expand on yeah. that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, when they're, it, like, it's like a, so with Google, you can look and see, like, what search terms people are yeah, yeah. searching for. So, they might just be typing in trauma mm. and it picks up, like, how many times people are searching for that specific right, term. Right, right, right. Okay. That okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel like it's pointing to kind of a big problem in our society. And and at the moment, like the best solutions currently are still external. So it's all, you know, go for medication or psychological therapy, which is great. But, you know, on the NHS, you're still waiting for months yeah. if you're lucky to get it, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's the reality. Mm. And another sad statistic is that, especially for people who suffer from depression, is that if you do manage to get through the door, get to see a psychologist, there's a 30% chance that it's not going to work for you. So lots of people are resistant to to that kind of treatment. So again, it points to a situation where we need other solutions, you know, and this is why I'm really passionate about running uh, as a more holistic approach, uh, an alternative uh, approach to try and deal with stress, trauma, and um, yeah, difficulties, really. Now, I just wanted to um, sort of touch on on, on what you've mm. just said in that, um, I mean, I'm of the age where 
um, mental health. Well, the the term mental health didn't exist, sort of thing, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of the eighties and nineties and, and 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 whatever. So, was it that the people? It wasn't talked about then, but in terms of actual figures, mm-hmm. it was very much the same or you know it's very hard to know I mean it's very much the hard to say then as it is now it's just that more people are aware of it and therefore Mm -hmm. that's why they they recognize um, it as a you know either a state of mind or you know or or whatever yeah do you do you think that's true do you think it was you know people kind of um didn't a didn't want to talk mm. about it in the eighties and nineties, or they just thought it was just something, you know. Oh, it's uh, I'm just going through a phase. Mm. I'm just sad, and that's that kind of thing. And and it was just not talked about. Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. That is a really interesting question. Very interesting one. Um, and yeah, I guess it is partly that. Um, partly, you know, it's, it's a difficult way to it's difficult to answer that one, but. Mm. Um, Partly it is that, you know, there's just more recognition about it and we're talking about it a lot more and wanting and willing to get help for it. Um, But also, I mean, even if you look at the UK, for example, you know, um, even in the last decade, you know, it's a culture towards it hasn't changed dramatically, but still the rates of people who are getting diagnosed with these things Mm. are increasing Mm. and not just in the UK, but worldwide as well. Yeah. so yeah, it's a complicated one to really give a an yeah. exact answer to. Yeah. I think. I mean, we do live in you know in the last twenty years. It is very different times. I mean, we, a we've yeah. got the internet. Um, yeah. You know what comes along with social media and everything. So oh, it may be yes. that um, because we didn't talk about it then, uh, mm. you know, there weren't the stresses to younger people and to you know us as adults they they're not they weren't the same it was a completely different time and even i don't know i've never known you know um, absolutely yeah yeah i mean exactly i mean i'm i'm kind of curious about that as well to see like you know because i often talk to teachers about this issue Mm. um i've got two young kids who were at school in primary school um and even the other day i went to uh, the local school and i was giving a talk about writing and we talked about social media and the impact and yeah. you know it was just the teachers are are just you know it's just so obvious that you know children struggle with these things yeah. you know yeah. um comparison becomes a big thing body image all of that you know yeah. and I, i'm not sure i mean yeah. you know it'll be interesting to talk to teachers who from 20 years ago and what they thought about mm. kids who are struggling with these things and yeah. compare that but just anecdotally you know yeah. you know it's you know the conversation is such a big one at the moment in mm. school setting about the difficulties of this generation with technology um, and changing lifestyles and things like that. Yeah. yeah. And mental health. I mean, we, we could, we could talk about this for ages, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know it's just, it's just, it's just it's something I'm interested in is that the, you know, from the, you know, from the fifties to, you know, the late, well, even when I left school, which was, you know, in 1980 or whatever, or even later than that, but it's just there was a there was that that period of time where it is so different to what's mm. you know I mean and just uh, as an anecdote I just joined mm. my local gym recently and I just saw someone uh, there 
and I, who I um, recognised, who I used to work there a long time ago, mm-hmm. it's about 20 years ago. And I just about thought to myself, it's just like when the last time I saw you, the world was a completely different place. It was, wow. I know, it is, yeah. it is, it is. Anyway, moving on. And that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of Brian's Rompod. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, we've got your back with all things running. And next week, get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey. Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube. So whether you're pounding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind the scenes fun and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter or should I say X at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website, www.briansrompod.co.uk. And there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review as it will always help find others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening. 